Um, I really liked that opening sequence. I thought it was quite it was quite good the second time around the way it was filmed in black and white and stuff. I really noticed this thing, and I don't know if it was just because I started to notice it at the start, um, and then I noticed it carry on through probably about the first half of the episode um, of squares, like these patterns of squares appearing in all these different places. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And the first time you see the pattern really stand out is in the mall, whenever you get the shot of the mall's floor and there's like, it's just all squares. And then um, there's square lights along the the sides of the walls and stuff. And I just thought that was really interesting. And then as you move through the different scenes, squares keep popping up all over the place. Um, Yeah, I'm just getting a pencil because I need to write some stuff down. (laughs) Uh, As you saying, I never noticed the squares, so that's good. Oh, I thought it was really, really interesting. And it came up to like almost like a saturation point. And that's the the scene where he walks into the boardroom and makes his big announcement. And there are just <laughs> there, there are squares everywhere, like there's squares the whole way down the side of the wall. At, really? at the yeah. end, there are two squares above the people. Whenever he's leaving, there's like a huge range of squares along the top of the door. Right. Um, as he walks into the building, you see him walk past the reception desk and just really randomly, there's this plywood square like stuck on. It's like totally out of place, just stuck yeah, on okay. the reception desk, probably yeah. where they've covered up some a logo or something of a company right. that doesn't exist. But um, I just thought it was really strange. And you do you pick up on it like a, a scene after scene after scene. You, you see these squares these okay. patterns of squares, which I thought was really interesting. Probably doesn't mean anything, for God's sake, square tiles or square tiles, but I just thought it was really... <laughs> well, you never know. Um, yeah, like um, something that... I've li- I listened to a couple of other podcasts where people deconstruct movies and stuff. I don't know if you've seen um, Room 237, which is the the Shining uh, redux. Oh, I haven't seen that. No, I'll definitely oh, that's, check that out. <laughs> that's a fucking classic, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way people get into Kubrick is... There's so many people out there. The way people get into Kubrick as an obsession is either is unreal. In yes. fact, Kubrick. In fact, they even mentioned Kubrick. They joked about it in um, the first episode of the Insider podcast for Better Call Saul. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly what the comment was, but it was funny. Um, they they look at things in movies and then they try to figure out the symbolic intent or the intent behind it, right? Yeah, um, and that's fun to do. Like I have a couple of notes as well like that, but I don't necessarily know what they mean, but it doesn't mean they don't mean anything. But I think it's good. It's definitely good to throw those things out there because as it goes along, we might come up with ideas about what it means. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, like I mean, in almost every scene in the first half of the episode, it's like saturated with squares. Like in his apartment, whenever he um, is sitting watching the VHS tape of his his TV commercial, I thought that was a great moment. And there's squares on the back of the door um loads of places so that's loads totally weird i did not even notice it at all isn't that yeah. weird? <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll have to make a more specific more specific notes next time because i've got it i've got it noted in different places but even like whenever he was going to get paid like after the the thing like the the girl with rose tinted glasses on at the at the the check place where he goes to pick up his check after he's in court yeah. and her top is covered in squares and right. his tie is covered in squares like they're they're mm. they do they, they come up a lot but it may not mean anything who knows who knows i i think it's hard to say because like um sometimes there is intentionality behind these things they're deliberate yeah and then um especially if from what you're saying whenever it's literally everywhere or, or, or like the uh the square 
um, the plywood or whatever you pointed out, it just doesn't seem to have a place. Like yeah. one of my one of the things I noticed was white objects, and uh, yeah, and a good example is the, uh, the it's a white dog or a deer or a fawn or something which is outside Tuku's house at the end, and it's yeah. the only thing out there, yeah, and yeah. it just it's rather pointless for it to be there. <laughs> it just looks very out of place. Yeah. It's sort of almost hiding into a couple of bushes and it's like uh, that's a weird object for it to be right there. So it's like I didn't even notice it. Yeah. Um that's so funny. But squares are good, like black and white, black and white squares. I noticed that in a previous movie many years ago. I think it was Lucky Number Slevin. Um, and I noticed it. I can't remember how I noticed it, but it seemed to me like it was something to do with moral conflict. You know the way people say morality is black and white? Yeah. Or it's not black and white. You know what I mean? And so black and white squares are like... They represent those two sides of... It's almost like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. What are you going to do? Give into the darkness or step into the light? Yeah, right. That's <laughs> it. Um, or just... Or or contrast. Just the idea of contrast. Like um, uh, one of the one of the main themes that i picked out was self-esteem yeah and there's there's a, a bunch of references i think to self-esteem and i think that they really the set it's all in the setup you know it's like uh so it's not Saul. sorry <laughs> slipping jimmy jim is jim's um he's a, he's a down and out you know he's the lowest of the low in the lawyer world picking up uh contract work i got that from the put the insider podcast contract council yeah. i wouldn't have known how to articulate that if i heard it there but <laughs> and that and that's contrasted against chuck and uh and uh hamlin hamlin mcgill yes and the big yeah, successful yeah. law firm and uh and the, it even is spoken. They even say it out loud whenever Chuck asks him to change the name of his, yeah, <laughs> of his company <laughs> because it's his. He name. can't even use his own name. Yeah. I know it's mad. Yeah, it's interesting and... because that also there was a yeah. What was it he said whenever Chuck said, "Would you not rather create an identity of your own rather than That's ride it. on the coattails of yeah, um, ride and... of something else." That's that. Yeah, it was someone else's coattails. Uh, create. What was it? He said, "Shit, I wrote this down." He goes, "That was a great quote. That's a great line." And that that yeah. was sort of summarized. Summarized it to a great extent is the uh, the idea of creating yourself. Yeah, you know, <laughs> which he does. For like sure. he he create he recreates himself a couple of times. Jimmy. Oh my god! Um, yeah, and we had like the uh, the reference to. Uh, his life before where he spill he spins his yarn about slipping jimmy up and uh <laughs> i really like that scene i really like that scene the way it was all put together with him like because he's kind of sitting at the skate park above above the two so he's like on the top level and they're like sitting down almost like in awe looking up at him um yeah. almost like it's and it, and it goes straight into storytelling mode where he's like telling the story of slipping jimmy and then yeah. that kind of atmosphere carries on into the next scene where they're outside the cafe and we yeah. get this really, really the first time, um, I think the first time in the episode that they start to introduce like a soundtrack almost, like you've got this background music playing as he's telling yes. the story and it's almost like he's in rhythm with the music as he tells it and the way it's set up, like the, the camera angles. I think one of the things I love most about the episode was the, 
the, the camera angles are just really interesting. Like there was mm -hmm. um, one of the camera angles was from behind. So you see the two of them standing um, with their backs to the camera and he's standing face on um, almost look at, looking at them, but almost looking at the camera with the backdrop of the cafe behind them. And then whenever they, they kind of pan the camera around and then he's standing still facing the camera, but they're standing also behind him facing the camera. Like it's just a really interesting, it's a really mm. interesting um, and well put together scene. And that kind of background music notes that it, it's almost like it's a change of pace there. So we've had this mm. really sedate pace right up until that point. And then it's almost like it's starting to build to the the crescendo of the, the episode or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, you the know? drama. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Have you yeah. watched episode two yet? I know we aren't going to talk about episode two. I'm just wondering if you've done it yet. No, I haven't. I was <laughs> I, I almost like Netflix did that thing where it started to play it and I was so tempted just to watch into it and I didn't. I held off. I um... couldn't resist it. <laughs> the drama, man. Anyway, but yes. Yeah, scene construction totally. The camera angles really interesting Um, one of my favorite scenes i think would have been just after the opening credits where you're in the courtroom with them so you've got like the cop um the cop and the judge in the whole courtroom is just waiting for jimmy and he's like in the bathroom giving himself like a pep talk mm -hmm. um if you really slow down and kind of pay attention to how that's all put together like i love the stenographer's desk like how her dress desk is set up is just mm -hmm. hilarious <laughs> so many little um god I, i've never seen a courtroom that's quite like that maybe that's how courtrooms are in real life but there was just clutter that's... everywhere like behind the cop there was so many boxes of mm -hmm. notes and so much so much junk and then on her desk it was almost like the desk you would see in someone's office like she had all of her personal shit out she had like a yeah. little plant in the corner of the desk there was like a floppy disk there there was like all this <laughs> crap just piled around <laughs> around her on the table it's like is that really what a courtroom is like normally mm. there's such sterile places like it's it's very unexpected um with her big gulp like it was so casual like she's sitting yeah. there with a fucking super big gulp from like yeah. 7-eleven like, <laughs> like when would that ever happen would that ever happen in real life maybe american courts are different who knows yeah, uh, in the Insider podcast, they talked about how they weren't going to be able to recreate or how would they make it interesting without doing the typical boardroom scene. Like, and they referenced yeah. um, they referenced that scene from, what is it, Tom Cruise and all, A Few Good Men or something. You can't handle the truth and all this here stuff. Yeah. The, the dramatic yeah, courtroom yeah. moments you get and Law and Order and all this here kind of stuff. Um, and so they went around the... Uh, the courtrooms in LA and just to see what it was like. And they find it to be <laughs> like that. Very boring actually. Yeah. And, and the lawyers weren't giving their hundred percent and they weren't giving these incredible speeches. You know, it was all kind of, um, very mundane. Hashed, yeah. And hashed out. And I kind of related to that because I also don't have a very good impression of lawyers from having been in that situation <laughs> <laughs> without going into detail. Yeah. I related to that. I, I, him standing in that, eerily quiet uh ba toilet bathroom whatever um yeah. preparing to go into the room and see the judges you know i've been in exactly that situation not as a lawyer though yeah <laughs> but um but the courtroom i was i was in was not um it didn't have that much junk around but on the subject of junk that yeah as you were saying it i was thinking that um that seems to be a feature his office in the in the nail salon Oh yeah, is also yeah. full of junk. Um, Chuck's place seems to have just a lot of crap so sitting around crap. everywhere. Yeah. Um, 
I really love the hallway yeah. in between his office and the nail salon. Like the he comes into the hallway first and then he goes into his office and even like around the shelves and on the top of the washer and dryer and things like that. It's like the attention to detail is really good. Even the fact yep. that the washing machine was on, like they're doing a little washing as he walks in, you know, it's, it's <laughs> those kind of details are really funny. They're yeah. really um quite interesting if you pay attention to them, you know. Um but yeah, I really like the courtroom room scene, the whole the whole lead up, him making that big speech, his closing case to the to the um jury playing it off like they're just kids out having a good time, yeah. sewing their oats and and it got a bit carried away and then they they wheel out yeah. the big TV and it turns out they fucking chopped the head off a corpse and, and throat fucked it, you know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's totally fucked. And he's like, kids will be yeah. kids. Look at these knuckleheads. <laughs> Knuckly knuckleheads. <laughs> you know, it's just totally mad. But in a way, it's like if you were gonna be in court, you'd want somebody like that, you know, with you to to the, he's the kind of lawyer that you know is gonna fight, isn't he? Yep. Really? Yep. Even no, if he knows do, it's a little bollocks. Yeah. Do you remember when you were 19, incidentally? <laughs> <laughs> no. no? I, I remember bits and pieces, but I couldn't, I can't specifically pinpoint a memory and say that is from my 19th. See, you can't remember that time in the morgue here. then. <laughs> 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 I won't remind you. Oh, funny. You're so <laughs> no. funny. I don't remember um, much either about 19, but um one thing I did I did notice a couple of references actually um clued into that was um I guess there's a there's a couple of Back to the Future references in there. Um at least one with the guys on the skateboards trailing along behind the truck or the bus or whatever yeah. it was. Um I thought I even remember. the use of the term, even the use of the term knucklehead, is that not a throwback to that kind of 1980s? Uh, I, yeah. Is that not something that Biff said in the cafe whenever, He's, or maybe Marty or something? He, says, he says butthead. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> butthead, <laughs> knucklehead. Actually, yeah. body body parts is another theme, actually. But then before we get onto the body parts, the, uh, the, uh, the, but then what it has in common with Back to the Future, but not just um, the, theme, the theme of remembering or going back in time, which we have done. We've gone back, Breaking Bad, you know, Better Call Saul set before Breaking Bad. So we've effectively gone back in time and we're finding out how uh, Slip and Jimmy ends up. Not yeah, only not only in the world of Breaking Bad, but where he is after the world of Breaking Bad. And then, and then there's another time reference where he talks about who he was as Slipping Jimmy before he came to Omaha or whatever it is they are, yeah. and uh, started his practice there. So there's all these time skips. It is. It's fascinating. Um, although they're always like at least in this episode, it was always either before it was before Better Call Saul or after. Breaking Bad, but you never see any skips involving Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Which, if you were like a producer, that might be an easy thing to kind of slip in to kind of give the audience a hook or to keep the audience hooked. Right. Um, that you kind of have throwbacks to the iconic show. Um, yeah. yeah, but it is, it's interesting. It was kind of, it, it took me the first time I watched it, it took me maybe the first two or three episodes to really understand the different times that it was jumping to. And it was right. quite, it was almost, it was, it was a bit confusing about 
what the the show was because is it a show about what happens after Breaking Bad or is it a show about what happens before Breaking Bad you know and primarily it's a a it's a show about that run-up isn't it with a few flash forwards that kind of give you what happens after um but yeah I thought that was yeah the the whole time jump thing is is quite interesting yeah yeah uh oh I had a thought there um it was interesting that you were talking about like the links with self-esteem and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff because like yep. his car is a Suzuki Suzuki yeah. esteem I think is the like the gonna... model of the car <laughs> as he leaves the courtroom. I was going to talk about the car, yeah. Um, the yellow peril. I'm going to dub it. <laughs> now, <laughs> I have pre- I've prepared a note here because I know that the yellow peril is a racist epithet that came about in I guess it's the 50s and 60s Asians in North America um, because of racism against them. Yeah, the, the yellow peril was sort of a phrase referring to that. But when I went online, I found out that the yellow, the phrase, the yellow peril predates, um, uh, predates the, uh, predates uh, the that epithet. It goes back to a vehicle. Uh, hang on, I've got it here. Where where did it go? I had it in my notes. Now it's fucking gone. There was some car <laughs> anyway back in that. No, I want to do this. Hang on shit where's the no that's not it no here we go um a 1911 oldsmobile autocrat nicknamed the yellow peril it was a brass racer um from 1911 uh purchased by john henry greenway albert something 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 anyway it won many races so it was a it was a quite a well-known race car that long ago and then it was picked up again uh, in Only Fools and Horses, where their <laughs> little three their little three wheeler car was referred oh to my as God. the Yellow Peril. That iconic um, British comedy. Yeah, and of course, the reason why I, the Yellow Peril came to mind was because our dad used to own a Yellow Peril. Oh my God, the Ford Escort! Yes, I fucking remember the Yellow Ford Escort. <laughs> well, um, Liam Toll. Liam used to call it the yellow peril, you see. Did he and really? That's, uh, yeah, he did. And that's why I thought of that immediately. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but I even I knew that Liam had called it the yellow peril, but I didn't realize he probably got that from only, either from Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. Or, or yeah, I don't know. In history. Yes. Um, very, but yeah. very interesting. Well, that's another one of those elements that turns out to be symbolic. It's really significant, like a... Like you're saying, the self-esteem. Um, yeah. I was really happy to see it because a long time ago when I was watching um, Vanilla Sky, in Vanilla Sky, there's uh, there's constant references to L.E., right? I don't know if yeah. you remember that, but which uh, he tries to figure out during the movie, but which means life extension. Oh, yes. Okay. But I also realized that it's a, it's a it's an initial synonym for low esteem. Oh yeah, and I, I I had this quirky thought in my head that the reason why you see LE, like if you see LE or SLE or SE on the back of a car, it means limited edition or special limited edition or something like that. Yeah. But it's also kind of code for low esteem and self esteem, right? Because like the the SE self esteem is is sim- in your unconscious. It's really associated with cars. Yeah, you know? like and here the symbolism is really really clear. They just they just uh but then they didn't do that on purpose. He 
he was either the writer or the director. I always get them mixed up because I don't know who's who, who's speaking whenever I listen to that insider podcast. Um, but one of them was just driving behind one of these things in LA in traffic. And he yeah. said, Steam, that's and he said, like, oh, we got to get this into the show. So Funny. that's that's why it's in there. But it turns out to have this the additional benefits, the additional meanings, right? Yeah. So I thought that was very cool. The uh the esteem. For sure. Because <laughs> it hits the nail on the head. It, it just really hits does. the nail on the head so perfectly. I love how this episode introduces so many different characters like that, that when he exits the car park and that's the first time you meet Dave, of course, who was like a really iconic character in um, Breaking Bad. And now we know how they met and how that relationship kind of started. Is it um, Dave or Mike? Mike, shit, you're right. Fuck, Mike. it is Mike. Jesus Christ, should we redo that bit? <laughs> no. Fuck it. <laughs> we can cut it. Yeah. Maybe. So Mike and the um Mike as he leaves the car park. You know, I thought that was really good. Um yep. yeah, for sure. And the whole thing about the number of stamps that he just wouldn't fucking yep. let him leave the he wouldn't let him leave without getting the right number of stamps for yep. the ticket. I thought that was really good. That was that was brilliant. Um yeah, the the stickers. He's like, uh, not he never has enough stickers. But the first time it's introduced after that scene with the stickers, he then goes to the restaurant to meet Betsy, and Craig, uh, and and he says, oh, and he, and he says, I'm a real stickler for the for the <laughs> <laughs> the dollars or something like that. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, he's a real stickler, and it's like stickers <laughs> to sticklers. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. That's mad. And that's that that whole storyline is going to be quite interesting if it develops like these two investors and whether they did it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I love how the two you've got like the two storylines that are kind of going in parallel to each other. And then so you've got like the embezzlers and then you've got like the whole storyline with Chuck and his exit from the firm and stuff in this episode. Right. And then they kind of come together whenever he sees them at, at fucking Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. The whole uh, the whole setup in the restaurant and stuff. Like even there, the man had squares on his shirt. Like his shirt was covered in squares. Oh, yeah, I didn't um, see that. Jimmy had squares on his shirt. Like he had a check shirt on. There was like a Route 66 sign in the window. You know, you yep. get all these little interesting bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love, he's more or less trying to coax them in or trying to convince them to sign him on for this this case, uh, this potential case, because obviously they're accused of embezzling like huge sums of money. And then later on in the episode, there's this setup with the um, the wife and these skaters, you know, the skaters that he meets in, in yeah. the next scene, um, which is really, which is really good too. Mm. Yeah. Uh... The while we're on the subject of the squares, then and the, the recurring images, I'll briefly run through where I observed the uh, the uh, the white objects because it continues into episode two. But I don't want to obviously go into episode two. But um, if I bring up my OneNote, can you? It doesn't cut the camera out, does it? Um, like, can you still see well, me? <clears throat> yeah, I'll be able to see you a little bit in the side, but I'll see your OneNote as well. Oh, you can see the OneNote too? Well, actually, no, sorry. I thought you were going to share it. In, no, I'm not, I'm not going to share screen. it, no. Oh, I right, won't okay, share it. No, no, I'm just going to... It's just so I can make sure I hit all the points. Oh, um, yes, okay. 
so the white things basically uh uh well to the extent that it's part of the symbol set i think forming dough at the start was more than just you know it, it, the forming the, the dough is like the clay that the body's made of you know i think i think this all relates to body parts and particularly bones um and in the sense that that is it's it's uh about making yourself essentially so he's forming the dough sort of kind of a cell symbol of him creating yes. his new identity yeah, and then yeah. um then other things that popped up were the unicorn doodle um the urinals coffee cups lampshades cars uh and the lamps in the conference room and vases in the conference room were uh, chuck's coffee cup and toothpicks on his table the lamps in chuck's place dinosaur bones at the skate park and the white dog slash fawn whatever it is outside <laughs> Tuto's place so i mean those on their own like some of those are innocuous objects like coffee cups you'd expect to see in a diner right? yeah no brainer yeah for sure so whether this is real or not i don't know but um the lamps are definitely all over the place lamps are are in here there's the lamps um in uh the uh the diner there's these odd yeah. white lamps with birds or something on them. Then there's the lamps on the co on the conference room table, which he there's which some... are purposefully drawn attention to through the network speech. Yeah, <laughs> which I for fucking sure. love. And then they're the center, they're almost like the centerpiece of several of the shots in that room. Like there's really yep. there's this really great um the way it was put together um down the boardroom table and all of the lamps are perfectly yeah. aligned almost and that's it's a just, great shot oh amazing yeah yep. so there's a couple of shots like that with those lamps and um, then there's the lamps in chuck's place which are yes. another which are another to me another goonies hint this is where i saw it like in the goonies when they go underground they they, they don't have lights uh, so they have to use the lanterns to get around yeah for sure and um i also noticed a, another subtle theme which came out in a well, it actually came out in a weird studies episode I listened to, but it was months ago. And then I note, but I noticed it in the, in a, oh, and then there was a movie. Uh, never mind. I'll get it. I forget the exact references, but at least uh, I noticed it in the Goonies where one eyed Willie is stuck. He gets caved in essentially. Yeah. Him and his pirates are stuck in the cave and they're essentially isolated from the outside world, right? And Chuck is the same way. He's oh yeah. He's completely shut off from the outside world in, in a sense. He's, in his house. Yeah, and he's basically trying to protect himself, right? He's trying to shut out the outside world. Yeah. So this is a trope, and um, and uh, oh yeah, and the other part of that reference to the Goonies was the concept of being grounded. Because in the Did Goonies, you grind being, yourself. Yes. <laughs> you see, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck is grounded. He's grinding yeah. in his house. Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. And that, Funny. of course, is numerous times in the Goonies comes that comment of being grounded for something. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So there's the white things, the lamps, the squares, uh, as well as the. Uh, really interesting. Even in the on the boardroom table, like there was a, a really, I think there was whenever they're at the portrait table, you can only see one or two accessories like on the table, like desk clutter. And right in front of um, Jimmy, there's like this blue mug. I think it's blue and it is covered in squares. You know, like it, oh, it, right. they, just, okay. they come up all over the place. It, to, it could be a total coincidence, but it's just- Well, you've got a big square right behind your head. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Could be a coincidence. Yeah. I don't know. Did you put for, it there on purpose? <laughs> for people watching the recording on our website, whatever that might be. <clears throat> um, yeah, so the squares are quite interesting. They do come up a lot during the episode. Um, but yeah, I really like that. Whenever he, what, he stormed into the boardroom and he, he made his big pronunciation or his big enunciation or whatever it is. Yeah. I can't remember what he said, but I thought that was really funny. Have you seen Network? No, I haven't. No. Uh, I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. I was familiar with it, but um, I had to look it up to pinpoint the speech and all the rest of it. But um, he... <laughs> um, it's Network's fucking terrifying movie. It's uh, I have a, a bit of the info on it. Um, it came out in 1976. And uh, a hard Beal is a, uh, a, a TV news show host. And he rails against the world and the state of things, kind of thing. Um, it's a it's a it's a classic. You should definitely watch it. Um, I haven't seen it for a long ass time though, but I would like to rewatch it at some point. Um, I just love that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he delivers it so well, as well as you will atone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure at but, the end. Is that as he leaves the boardroom? Is that the bit at the end? Yeah. Yeah. You see what I, th that to me is sort of a, and they talk about this in the, the, um, the, uh, the insider podcast too, about how he, yeah, one of the guys in the insider podcast basically says that uh, Jimmy's like made of words, basically. <laughs> it's like, yeah. he's made of words. That's so true. But like there, you know, recently I, um, Recently, I, I came up with a song. I'm not trying to plug myself here. Remember I told you about us <laughs> about people who always know exactly what to say? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. He's, Jimmy's like one of those people. He he just comes yes. up with exactly the right thing to say at the right moment. For sure. And it's always so well put together. You know, it's, yep. it's he's so quick. Yep. With his comebacks yeah. and his responses. Um, That's right. And that guy in network was like that too. He was a news anchor and he would give these rambling speeches. And yeah. It would just be so meticulous, <laughs> you know, in the way yeah. it conveys meaning. That particular speech that he's quoting right there is a, just an epic uh, diatribe from one of the characters in network. Um, so to me, that was like very much, that was very Jimmy to yeah, do that for sure. at that exact moment. For sure. It came up in. Uh... I'm watching, there's this Netflix show at the minute. It's very good. It's called, fuck, what is it? It's about two lesbians. Um, and one of them's an addict. And the theme of, or yeah. the, the, there was a very similar conversation about how some people can just exude confidence whenever they speak. They, they, they do yes. it with such authority. doesn't Bastards. matter what they're saying. It just comes <laughs> across with such authority and they're so quick and they're so confident about it, mm -hmm. even though it could all just be total bullshit and made up That's on right. the spot. Yep. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called. Is that the one? Is that the one we're after the bit about the, the, the girlfriends at the start? There's a long sequence, a long conversation in a diner between the girl and the addict. Yeah, they're both addicts. No, this is a different thing, right? I don't know. Hold on. I'll have to look it up. Give me a second. <clears throat> you can block this bit out. It was on Crave here, but the central theme was addiction. It's called Feel Good. No, different different thing. It's called Feel Good. And uh, Lisa Kudrow is in it. So Lisa Kudrow plays one of their moms. Um, she's okay. brilliant in it. Really good. 
Um, and it's basically it's the it's a, one of them's a comedian and um, she this straight girl falls in love with her basically and they, they start on this really quite toxic relationship. Um, it's comedy. It's kind of like comedy drama. It's very very good. You should watch okay. it. It's hilarious. The lesbian and it's really hot. She's like my right. my type of girl. Quite <laughs> almost like a fanboy. You know what I mean? Like she's okay. quite boyish. Yeah. Um, it's very good. Um, definitely check it out. But yeah, so that that was that came up in the most recent episode is is how people can exude confidence. I can't remember what the specific um bit was, but yeah, yeah, interesting. I actually watched um off the, on the side. I watched uh, uh, a Tom Cruise movie last night. Oh fuck, Collateral. Have you seen it? Oh, I think I might have a long time ago. That's fucking good? fantastic. Yeah, it's a brilliant and. Uh, it's just a classic Tom Cruise. He just the way he the character exudes confidence is unbelievable. He <laughs> yeah. he has that ability, you know. He just has to open his mouth and look at you, and it's just overwhelming sort of a confidence streaming yeah. out of him, you know. Oh my god! Um, I fucking like. How do people become that confident? Like, is it just all? Do they just fake it? You know what I mean? Fake like, it do till they, they make just it. Practice it. Do they? Do you just practice it, and then all of a sudden you're it? I have a feeling like if I tried to <laughs> if I tried to be that confident or speak that confidently, I would just come across as being a complete arsehole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know the way some people do it and they're just dicks? Like that would be yes. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, people would be like, what the fuck is his problem? Instead of being like, well, he really knows what he's talking about. <laughs> for sure. I anyway. Yeah, I, I've met someone like that. I'm not going to go into that. We obviously can't do that in a public forum. But... <laughs> I'll do it, man. Um, no, I can't do it. Uh, it's your boss, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not saying anything about who it is. But uh, what was I going Oh, yeah. So, yeah, but that that exact thing is like what you were saying. Like, um, Jimmy, we often find him practicing his lines. He does it before he goes into court. Then yes. he does it when he's preparing to talk to Betsy and the Kelmans. No, not, not before he talks to the Kelmans, before he's, yeah, when they're planning the... Yes, when the, he does yeah. it constantly, like he does yeah. it all the time. Like there was before the court, um, he was doing it like in the, the bathroom and then two or three times in the run up to that um, attempted heist with the skaters um, yeah. where he's going to not heist, but the attempted scam on um, Betsy yeah. or whatever her name is. Let me see if I yeah. can get her name. Fuck's sake. It's Betsy, it Betsy, yeah. Yep. Um, where he's sitting in the car rehearsing the conversation like he does it a few times he does do it a few times yeah um i thought the whole skater setup was quite funny you know the way he's driving along in his car and oh my god uh, people who drive like that are fucking nuts and that's what america's like so he's driving along the phone is in one hand <laughs> the fucking credit card is in the other hand he's he's speeding down these residential streets and yeah. then the skater comes out of nowhere and just lands on top of his car um mm. I think that the moment when he realizes that is the scam is quite good. You know, like he, you kind of see right. this realization whenever yep. um, the, the skater <laughs> looks up and is like, how are you going to make this right? And he's like, how am I going to make it right? And then he realizes that it's a fucking shakedown, you know, yep. and, and straight away is like, how will I, how, how do you think I should make it right? Okay, like yeah. $500. And he kicks yeah. the guy in the leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chases them off um yeah. why can't i think of scams like that like that's a fucking great scam yep yeah i know i yeah would you do i it? can't uh probably not because i wouldn't have the confidence <laughs> to pull <Yeah>. it off <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, that was a counterpoint to the Goonies. I'm sorry to keep referencing the Goonies, but in the Goonies, um, they always mess their lines up. You know, they they say they get words wrong and then they correct each other. Yeah. So it's a flip. It's a flip over to getting your lines constantly right all the time. You yeah, know, yeah. You're practicing them, you know, and that's that's just it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought the skater setup was really good, and then, um how he tracks him down at the skate park to, to get them involved in his um trying to get that the the he tracks them down at this at the skate park to try to talk them into to involving themselves in his scam to win over the embezzlers to see yeah. if he can get them back off um Hamlin 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 McGill like they right. don't even know that that's going to be a case yet and he still wants to get them back probably because it's the HHM connection like he just wants to fucking stick it to Howard that's right um <laughs> that he tries to he's trying to scheme his way back in and to win them as clients yeah. um I thought that was quite good and then you've got the whole scene at the at the cafe when you see her get into the car like so she he's um you've got jimmy rehearsing his lines you see her come out of the house and get into the car and then she heads off and he gives them the two minute warning and they get themselves ready yeah and then she it's just like a hit and run it's like oh my god so so they leap onto the front of the car and then she just takes off Mm -hmm. what we think of is her no it's not it's a completely different woman the uh the car that um Betsy was driving is a Mercury Sable and the and car it that is a Ford. Yeah. So it's yeah. just randomly a different car. <laughs> they got the wrong fucking car. But yeah, it took me, it took me until my second watch this time to realize that it was a different car. The first time yeah, I was me like, too. how the fuck did that happen? That I didn't spot um, it. Yeah. The, the driver was different. And then I realized I saw the blue Ford fucking logo on the, yeah. on the, 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 on the front and on the back of the car as it sped off. Right. And what yeah. a great ending, you know, whenever Jimmy gets to the house and yeah. it's just your man from <laughs> what's his answers name? the door. Tuko. <laughs> just holds a gun to his head. Yeah. And of course, this is now how Jimmy's going to get caught up in the, the gangster scene. This is his, yeah. his slow slip into, maybe I'm wrong, is it? I can't remember. The slip and slide. Yeah. <laughs> Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking slip in Jimmy. So what other thoughts so, did you have? Um I think we covered uh, most of my most of my uh most of my notes here. Um yeah, uh what were your favorite scenes? Did you have any favorite scenes? Um well let's see, favorite scenes. So I think probably um the the first time we're in Chuck's place was definitely one of my favorite scenes. So when he goes back to Chuck's place, yeah, interesting. Uh, just the way it's so there's so much darkness there, the the lamps lighting the faces in just the middle of the room and all the random crap around Chuck's and and the conversation too. Like the script is just fantastic for that part. Um, yeah, and it's superbly well acted. Yeah, so, he's a great actor. I can't remember his name, but he's been in loads of stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, his name's, uh, I made notes, his name is uh, uh, Michael McKean. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in a lot, tons and tons of stuff, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but definitely the way that um, they they sort of put pressure on each other, they have an argument, it's typical brotherly squabbles, of course. Yeah. We don't know anything about that. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and it, there's a weird uh, the, the the those the way those two scenes work together is really is really clever too, and the way they're connected. And it goes straight from the boardroom scene where he does his network uh, impression, his Beale impression, and then um, he where we're basically. In, that's funny because see he is quoting a speech there which is given by an antagonist in network the basically one of the the uh i can't remember so it might be a network boss i forget i forget who if he's a network board boss or whatever but anyway he's he's really angry at the uh because beale has beale is that his name he's upset he's upset the natural order of things as he puts it and yeah. um he uh yeah, Beale, a uh, hard Beale. So someone's talking to Howard at this point. Howard's given his big speech and tried to upset the whole system. And the guy who's heavily invested in the system gives this whole big speech about how money is the foundation of everything. Capitalism is what well, I don't know if he says capitalism, but it's like international system. There's no countries, there's no peoples, there's none of that's real. The only thing that's real is capitalism and an international system of companies and blah, 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 blah. So basically, it's about money, and then and then uh, he goes back to and he, he rips up the check, and then he goes back to uh, Chuck's place where he tries to impress upon Chuck the importance of money and convince him that it's really all about money. Yeah, and Chuck's the one saying it's not all about money, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, so it's point counterpoint, and then of course, money is money is the thing from the beginning with. Uh, when he describes Slippin' Jimmy, he talks about how Slippin' Jimmy had enough money to last until Labor Day from his slips and falls and how... That's right. And the money is associated with the self-esteem. Yes, that's right. Slippin' Jimmy was a cool guy who all the girls loved. Yeah. And he was flush. And then we see Jim, who's a down-and-out lawyer earning only $700 for three defendants. Yeah. And then uh, that's contrasted against the uber success of Hamlin, Hamlin and McGill. So... Yeah, so that the the connection of money to self esteem is is really brought out. Really that's well. interesting for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I loved her comeback. The even the fact that she was wearing rose tinted glasses, I thought was really interesting. <laughs> like whenever he yep. goes to pick up its check, it's this this chick with rose tinted glasses on. Um, yeah. but she he said three defendants, twenty one hundred dollars, and she said nobody told you to try them all together. Like nobody told you them to try them all together. Yeah. One trial, seven hundred dollars. You know, yeah. Um, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. So it's like he's he comes across as being this uber confident, um, really guy who's really well put together as an answer for everything, but he still makes these stupid fucking mistakes where he could have made twenty one hundred dollars, but because he tried them all together, he took the easy way out. He only made seven hundred. Right. Yeah. You know, because he 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 took the a shortcut. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll not make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um totally. No, I, I I think I I don't know if I have another favorite. I think that's just the one that stands out for me. Very good. Yeah. I think my two favorite were, as I've said before, the the courtroom scenes, like at, in the opening, I thought they were brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um and then the first the first scene outside the cafe where he's setting up the scam and he's telling them about it, I thought that was brilliantly shot and brilliantly put together. 
um, yeah. really good. And in a way, that's kind of Jimmy at his finest when he's like storytelling and he's kind of weaving um, the tale. And you know, it's really it was really good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I guess the boardroom scene is probably a favorite too, just because of um, just because of the way they tied it together with network and the lamps on the table and the yeah and the way it connected to the chat scene. Yeah. yeah. It was really good. Excellent. Well, that yeah. seems like a pretty good place to end. Thanks for listening. Uh, like and subscribe to um, the Saul, Re- Saul Rewind uh, and to uh, our other shows uh, that you can find uh, at thatrewindshow.com. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on social media and leave a five-star review. Leave us a five-star review. Hit that five-star button and subscribe. It makes a big difference. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Good stuff. <laughs>